Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Amen. Pistol Pete Maravich, how many are old enough to remember him? Ooh, all right, I've seen some people with gray hair, and I've seen some younger ones raise their hand. Uh, he, 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 he was an incredible player. Um, he made the basketball court kind of look like a stage. I mean, it's like he took the basketball court just to show off, if you would. He played for LSU, and in those days, he averaged just a little bit over 44 points a game. Can anybody say, wow, all right? And, and he made crazy things look easy. Like if I tried to do that, I'd turn my body into a pretzel. You know what I'm talking about? And, and uh, he went on to play for the Boston Celtics, had an incredible career. But, but what I'm interested in this part of the story is that one day at the end of his career, he went out to play a game of pickup basketball. And while he was playing just a pickup game of basketball, he collapsed and died of a heart attack at the age of 40. I remember it on the news. Does anybody remember when this happened? And, and, and it was just crazy. And, and they did an autopsy on him, and they discovered that he had congenial heart defect, and he had been born with only one coronary artery instead of two, and never knew it. He played at the highest level you can play. He played at one of the great colleges, went on to play professional ball for years, was outstanding all the while underneath the exterior facade, <laughs> way down deep in the heart, come on somebody now, way down there where nobody could see, he had an issue with his heart that ultimately led to his demise, no matter how much outward success he had. And ladies and gentlemen, in case you've missed the last two weeks, that's the topic of our series that we're on called Issues of the Heart. Our foundational verse is found in Proverbs chapter number 4. And in verse number 23, and what it says to us is this, and it lists our priority, it lists what you should do, and it lists why you should do it. A lot packed into these few words, above all else. That's our priority. Above all else, guard your heart. That would be great dating advice. Wouldn't it be great dating advice? Seriously, because some people get their hearts broken because they give too much of their heart away too soon. Ooh, that'd be a good series right there. Let me write that down. All right. <laughs> Above all else, guard your heart. How come? For everything you do flows from that. So as we've already said, don't be reckless with it because out of the heart uh, flows things like our feelings. Our feelings flow from our heart. Our, our desires come out of our heart. Our passions and our thoughts and so how many know, here's the big idea, if you have an unhealthy heart or a wounded heart or a hurting heart, you can have wounded feelings. And how many have lived long enough to know that your feelings aren't facts and your feelings can lie to you, am I right? Yeah. And our desires aren't always pure. Hello, somebody. Even after we become Christians, you better amen me on that one. Come on, how many pieces of pie did you have? right? Uh, our passions and our thoughts. And as a man thinks, that's where a man goes. And so this is the big idea. 
uh, our feelings, our desires, our passions, if we have a wounded heart, they can all be reckless and wounded and unhealthy also. But what's interesting is no matter what we're involved in, the heart is there. Isn't that true? The, the heart is involved in every conversation you have, whether it's a good conversation or a bad conversation. The heart is involved in every experience we have. In fact, we live, um, we parent, we relate, we romance, we confront, um, we problem solve, we manage, and we love, and all of those things flow from the heart. And the reality is, as we live in a tough world, how many have figured that one out, right? It's a fallen world. It's a world full with evil and sinful things and, and cruelties of this life. They come hard at us. It, right, everybody? It doesn't matter how Christian we are. The storms come on the just and the unjust. And the cruelties of life, they come at us. And negative experiences can lodge in our heart just like plaque does in the arteries. Mm, and it'll cause an issue huh, in the heart. If we don't know how to deal with and process the issues that come at us. Many of us have had tragedies in life that got stuck there like plaque, never dealing with it, never, come on guys, hear me on this one, never crying it out, never getting it coached out, never getting it mentored out, never having anywhere to land with the issues of the heart. And if you listen carefully which I've made my living now for 35 years listening and talking and listening and talking. And if you listen carefully, it shows up in people's verbiage. If you start listening to yourself, you might even notice it shows up in your own verbiage. It shows up with crazy little things that we think are just colloquialism of, of our time. But you'll hear people say things like, I'll never trust another man mm -hmm. because there's plaque. <laughs> There's something lodged in the heart. Uh, I, I, I don't need anybody. Uh, those, those are exterior words coming out, but it comes from somewhere deep inside. Or things like, I will never love again, or I'll never trust again. And don't take my word for it. Jesus is the one who originated this thought. In Matthew chapter number 15, here's what Jesus said about it. But the things that come out of a person's mouth... Can I just take a survey so I feel better about some of the things I'm going to say about myself today? How many have ever said something and you heard it and you were like, oh, I wished I could take that back? The rest of you, I hate to say this in church because we are life-giving, but you are lying. You're either lying or really stupid, but I'm just going to leave it there, all right? You don't even know that you did it. All right. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, they come from the heart. In other words, they don't just come arbitrarily. They have root. They come from a place. And these defile them. Woo-wee. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Remember? Broken heart, broken feeling. Evil heart, evil feelings. Right? For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. It comes murder, it comes adultery, it comes sexual immorality. I will say this, that we don't accidentally fall into sin. You, you, you don't fall into adultery, everybody. Come on now. You don't, you're not just walking down the road one day and wake up and go, wow, how did I get in your bed? That does not happen. You thought about it first. It originated here first. 
You thought about it. <laughs> you didn't fall into sin. You went to the lumber yard. You bought the lumber. You built the high dive. And you did a cannonball right off of it, right into the thing that you're in. Because it comes from inside of us. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. What Jesus is doing is just kind of giving this large shotgun effect to all of it is coming from the heart. Therefore, this series. Uh, we have covered already, we've discussed a restless heart in part number one. Last week, we talked about a broken heart. If you heard the music during the greeting and wondered why are they playing that song, today I want to deal with a bleeding heart. What happens when the wound happened 20 years ago, but the heart is still bleeding? Mm -hmm. That relationship is long gone, but now I'm trying to be in a new one, but my heart is still bleeding over the past one, and it's hard because I'm still measuring my future with the yardstick from the past. A bleeding heart. A heart that's been wounded. It's more, it's more than a broken heart. It's unresolved hurts. It's painful issues. It's not a broken heart. A broken heart can happen on accident. A broken heart usually happens through a trust issue. But this is, this is a heart that has been abused. It's been abused on purpose. A bleeding heart, really a bleeding heart is an unresolved heart. A thing happened, I've never resolved it, I've never discussed it, I've never been mentored or pastored or coached about that thing, and so it's still there. Yes, it happened 20 years ago, but the issue of the heart is still an unresolved issue that I've never talked about or never dealt with. Am I talking to somebody you know? <laughs> Uh, and, and here's, let me show you, here's some of the outward signs. I'm not a, a therapist, I'm not trying to cover them all, but here's what I've seen in ministry and here's what I know through scripture is that there are some outward signs of a bleeding heart. I'll give you the two most popular ones and then we'll, we'll talk about one. Depression can be, now I know there's all sorts of depression, there's the blues and there's moods, and, but I, I'm talking about the ones that come from a bleeding heart. Depressions that are, d d depression, it's, it's hurts, in, in depression it's hurts, watch this, that have been stuffed down. And, and, and someone says, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. And Christians are notorious for this. Because we have been trained to say, I'm highly favored and blessed to the Lord. <laughs> and that's about how silly we sound. And that's about how silly we look. Because we just take those issues and we stuff them down. It's like the little boy on his bicycle. He cracks up, he wrecks, he, he skins his whole body and jumps up and says, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Nothing's wrong. I'm okay. It's hurts that have been stuffed down. And, and, and when we talk about a bleeding heart and we stuff it down, what happens is the bleeding becomes internal. We don't realize how tragic it is because we can't see the bleeding. We can't see the wounds. We can't see the scars. We can't see the hurts. These people tend to implode. Mm -hmm. They don't explode. They implode. They, they fall in on themselves. They're too much in their mind. They're too much in their feelings. They can't break past of all of the cloud of stuff that happened and caused the heart to bleed. Now we process everything through the implosion. It, it, you're kind of like a clam. 
You're just closed off. No one can get in. They're, they're trying to get in. They want to know you. You want to know people, but you're just closed off. They're like a clam. This, the second um, evidence of a bleeding heart is not depression, but it's the opposite. It's anger. And where depression is pushed down, anger, it's hurts that are pushed out. Uh, it, where, where depression implodes on myself, anger explodes on everyone else. Where depression is, is internal bleeding, explosion in anger is external bleeding. Because everybody knows you got an issue. Everybody knows. Because you just threw a fit in the restaurant because they ha- didn't have enough ice in your water. Now everybody knows you're bleeding. Hello? I know it's not you, but I'm preaching to all those that are watching online this morning, all right? (laughs) It's external bleeding. It's very obvious. Man, there's an issue going on there. And and we're not like clams. The anger people are like porcupines. Uh, it's, It's hard to get close to a porcupine, isn't it? It's hard to love. It's hard to hold. It's hard to cuddle with somebody with anger because they're prickly. You ever met a prickly person? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're just prickly. How many of you are prickly? No, don't raise your hand. Just, uh, right? A- angry people. Ang- angry people, they hurt. They wound. They don't mean to. It's just kind of what has evolved. It's what happens from a bleeding heart. Uh, and, and anger, just like the porcupine, it's a defense mechanism. It's not because I'm trying to hate you. It's not because I'm trying to be mean. It's just the only way I know how to defend a heart that is already bleeding, and I don't want it to bleed anymore, so I become prickly to keep people at a distance. Some people being prickly has become uh, uh, your normal in life. You, you, You just have this way of saying things and doing things and looking at people because you're just trying to keep them at a distance so that they don't get too close. Prickly people. Whew, that's a good phrase, right? Might make a good series in itself. Um, and, and, and that's why, I know you've heard this many times, but that's why hurting people hurt people. I'm not trying to hurt the one that I love. It's just I don't know how else to deal with the issues of the heart. You guys following me so far? Um, maybe a little too good, maybe. Proverbs 14, 17 says this, that a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Now, I recently preached on the subject of anger, so if you want to go a little deeper on that subject, I did it in the Broken Arrow series, and, and I have confessed to you that early, particularly in my marriage, not so much in my childhood, but particularly early in my marriage, anger became an issue with me. I, I didn't know it, but it was unresolved bleeding issues of my heart that had never been resolved, that the enemy will wait until you're married and have kids to expose those wounds because he's not just trying to destroy you, he's trying to destroy everyone that those prickly pine cone, pine needles can go at. You know what I'm saying, right? And, and, and so uh, I read this verse to you, but I'm going to dive into the subject a little bit of anger, but I want to head it from a different angle. This message was kind of a leftover from broken arrows that I didn't get to get in there because I felt like when I talked on anger, we were really stepping on a lot of nerves. And so I want to look at it a little bit more today. It's the bleeding heart. Um, I'm not really mad at you. I'm mad at somebody or something. I could be even mad at myself, but it's my defense mechanism. 
I hate to admit to you that this probably, this topic more than any other thing is the one that I can speak the most about because it's the unresolved issues. And it is not until, you can count to ten all you want. You can put yourself in a timeout. But until you deal with the issue of the heart, it will, there will always be a situation, there will always be a person, and yes, there will always be somebody on the highway. <laughs> you know I'm right about this. <laughs> Ephesians chapter number 4, we've talked about it before, but it says, In your anger, do not sin. So God is saying, yes, you can be angry, but that doesn't give you the right to break furniture that you bought together and punch holes in walls and destroy people and murder with your mouth. Yes, you can be angry, but do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't let the sun go down. Why? Because it's at the nighttime that the roots grow. And when the roots begin to grow, the strength, the fortitude, it begins to strengthen. And now you stand behind excuses like, it's just the German in me. It's just the way I am. And, 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 and it, I'm not picking on Germans. You can pick anyone. It's the Italian in me. It's the way my dad was. It's just the way I am, right? Come on, everybody. And we hide behind any excuses saying, well, that's just the way that I'm made. No, it's not the way that you're made. It's the way that you're reacting to the issues of the heart. Mm -hmm. and, and don't let the sun go down because that's when we, the roots grow and, and it becomes strong and then it becomes a strong hold in our mind and we hide behind, well, they're just going to have to deal with me. This is the way I am. <laughs> and you wonder why the older you get, the lonelier you are because you've run everybody out of your life. I'm not sure if you're clapping for that or because of the person sitting next to you, but it, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. But what happens is we hold on to grudges. Please know I'm preaching to me today. Uh, we hold on to grudges because we don't know another way. We feel like we've let ourselves down if we don't hold the grudge because how could I let that person off the hook? I'm a punk if I let them off the hook. We hold on to our hurts and our grudges, and we hold on to our injustices. Let me try to resolve some of this in three points today. I know this is way oversimplifying a deep issue, but let this let you get started on the road to healing. Let's talk about the reactions that we have, the roots, where it comes from, and then lastly, let's talk about the resolve. Okay. So what are the reactions to, to, to an angry heart or a bleeding heart? What, what are, how, how do we try to fix that? Here's our, I'm going to put this in, here's our reactions, but here's the ways that we try to solve it on our own. Can I get that? Yeah. The reactions, here's ways that we try to solve the anger all by ourselves, outside of God. Now, there's a whole bunch of them, but I'm going to take what I think are the three most popular. Number one is we try to control every situation. Mm -hmm. Ooh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> it, it's, by the way, I'm talking to me, okay? We try to control everything. It, it's exhausting trying to control every situation. How many know what I'm talking about, right? It's like herding cats. It, it never stays fixed, <laughs> right? We try to control every person. Now, the opposite is probably not where we ought to go to. Have you ever met a person that just gave up? 
Yeah, they're usually the grandpa that's 90 years old that's sitting there on Thanksgiving meal, and he's given up. He's spent his whole life trying to control, and he recognizes in his wisdom he can't control anything. And, and he hasn't found balance. He just has surrendered. How many have met this person? Okay, let me describe them to you. Everybody is having a great time, and he's over in a rocking chair somewhere in a corner of a building, and drool is coming out of the side of his mouth. All the grandkids are piling on him, coloring on the wall, breaking the dishes, and he's not trying to control anything because he's given up. How many know that's not good either? But the first way we try our reaction is to control the situation. I'm going to control who's around me. I'm going to control what they say. Oftentimes, our weakness becomes a strength, and that's what causes some people to excel. And the problem is, is we celebrate that in our culture. Mm. The second way that we react it, it, that's not good is by avoidance. It, it, it's avoidance. It's, it's the act of keeping away. It's like a turtle. You've gone into a shell, and you're just hiding. You know you have issues of the heart. You don't know how to deal with them. You don't know how to find freedom. So the best thing to do instead of hurting people is to hide from people. The best thing to do is never share your opinion. The best thing to do is because of what happened in my last relationship, I'll never get in another one again. But what happens is we keep pushing it down. We keep avoiding. It's like closing the curtains of life and staying in a dark room. I'm afraid to share my opinion. I'm afraid to give my love. I'm afraid to share my talent. But what usually is a result of that are things like anxiety and depression because you were made to have a voice and you were made to have a life and you're closing that life inside of a shell. The third one is going to take a little explanation. The third way that we react is through compromise. Now, compromise sounds good. But there's a lot of compromise going on in our nation today. <laughs> Sorry, that slipped. <laughs> it, it, it's like I, I have some values that I hold dear to, but because I don't want to rock the boat, I'm going to compromise even against my own convictions and values. I'm going to let you run me over in the name of compromise. I'm going to let you beat me down with what you think is right, though it's obviously wrong because all in the name of compromise. Yes, compromise is good. If you're married, yes, compromise is good. If you're trying to do life, compromise is good. In some cases, compromise is good. Let me give you an illustration. If your wife is mad because the husband is committing adultery, how many know compromise is not the solution? Come on now, where's the ladies, amen? Well, honey, I know you're seeing two women on the side. If we could just meet in the middle and you could just have one extra. Now, I'm making a funny to make a serious point. Here's what it's called. It's called peace at any cost. Have we seen that? It's like, no, that's wrong, but I'm going to compromise uh, peace at any cost. And what happens is you get run over. And eventually you'll start losing yourself because you don't even know what you believe anymore because you have compromised too much. It's issues of the heart. I feel like I need to tell a joke somewhere right here. It's getting intense in here, all right? 
So here's what I want to do with our last two points. Today I want to give you a radical approach to the healing of a bleeding heart. And they'll come through identifying where it comes from, and then we'll do the remedy here. So number two is the roots. Let's go look at a verse that we don't often equate to the issue of a bleeding heart or anger. It's found in James chapter number four, verse number one and two. Check this verse out. It's, It's very insightful. James, the brother of Jesus, okay, he writes this, what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? What causes it? Oh, I know, I know. Uh, But he says, don't they come, watch this, from the desires that battle within. See, we like to think that the fights come because of some external thing. But James is saying, no, 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 they come from a bleeding heart. Uh, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you didn't go to God and ask God. So James proposes this great question. He says, what causes fights? And, and of course, we have the answers, don't we, to what causes fights, to what makes us mad? Don't we have those answers? Well, it's my wife. Man, guys, you are doing good. You didn't amen right there. That was really good. It's my husband. It's my job. It's the people on the highway. It's the president. It's the church. It's the, mm-hmm. It's like the guy that showed up and said, man, man, I don't know what's the matter with all these drivers today. I hit five cars today. <laughs> you know? It's always somebody else. It cannot be me, right? But notice, watch this. See if you notice the same thing I've come to notice. You have never blamed your way to happiness. So James, he redirects, and here's what he says. He says, why is there so many fights? Well, he redirects, and here's what he says. He says, it's the desires that battle within you. So, so oftentimes we think it's something out there. We think it's somebody on the highway. Anger is not from the outside circumstances, ladies and gentlemen. It comes from inside, and I would add, it comes from the bleeding, unresolved issues of our hearts. Mm. We recognize one day that the enemy is in a me. It's in me. I, I used to do a little MMA training back when my joints worked. And, um, and, and I wanted to do a fight. And I got trained for a fight. And when I was doing some sparring, um, my coach, he recognized that when I w- would get hit and, and it would hurt, that I didn't keep my game plan, that, that I would get angry and start swinging out of anger and exhaust myself really fast. And so he called me aside and he said, look, here's the number one thing that you need to learn. The fight is not with your opponent. Now, until he finished that statement, I thought that was the dumbest thing that he had ever said. What do you mean the fight is not with the opponent? I'm going to knock his block off. You see this lip that's bleeding? I'm going to get him. He said, no, the fight's not with the opponent. The fight is within you. You're fighting yourself. When you're losing, what do you do? Do you keep control? Do you stick to the game plan? Do you lose control? Come on, somebody, right? See, James is saying the cause is desires that are within us that are at war. The common denominator I have found, I, by a amen, see if you don't agree with this, the common denominator to every fight, every battle, every argument I have ever had, the common denominator is me. 
all right. I was there for every one of them with a front row seat. Verse 2, here's what he says. He says, you want something and you're not getting it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Man, if this doesn't describe my life. You're wanting something. That's not bad. The things you want aren't necessarily bad. It's the temper tantrum that we throw to try to get what we want. Yes, I want a peaceful home, but you're not making it peaceful, (laughs) right? Yes, I want a good spouse, and yes, I want a better job. But what happens is we get mad at the person that we think is standing between us and what we want. I want a good marriage, and that husband, I want a good job, and that boss, I want a good economy, and that president... And we get mad at the person that we perceive is standing between us and them. Mm. uh, Verse number 2, part B, goes on to say, you will kill and covet to get them. And I hate to stand before you, but I'll use what the devil meant for bad and hope God will get some glory out of it. I have murdered with my mouth and I have killed with my mouth and I have coveted. Because a bleeding heart will cause you to do that. Uh, those of you that have ever struggled with anger, could I just see anybody that maybe have had a short fuse on some things? You, you, you don't have to amen out loud, but you can blink at me when I say this next part. I would get mad because it was the only tool I had to fix the problems. And then I would know, I grew enough to know getting mad was wrong but I would get mad at myself for getting mad. Oh, good. Let me talk to my people. (laughs) And it is the most horrific feeling there is because all I got is anger, and I know it's wrong, and now I'm mad that I'm getting mad. And it's like this cycle. Mm. The most humiliating experience I've ever had in my human existence is when my son was one years old, I don't remember the issue, but Patty was feeding him at a high chair. And I don't remember why I was mad. Isn't that silly? It wasn't even that important. And, and I began to raise my voice. Let's call it what it was. And I began to yell. And my one-year-old boy, he looked at me from his high chair, and I seen fear in his eyeballs, and he started to cry. And then I felt myself getting more angry Because I had caused that damage. It battles from within us. Mm -hmm. And I began to realize in that moment, I never yelled at my kids. My anger always came out expressed towards my wife. I never called her names. I would just raise my voice and make her feel belittled. And I, I began to recognize, wait, I've never yelled at my kids. I've never called her name. So I began to realize I have a whole lot more self-control than I like to give myself credit for. Because if we don't recognize that, we'll say, well, I just can't help it. Well, obviously, you can help it because you didn't choose to yell at your boss that way. <laughs> Come on, somebody, right? Right, right, right. And uh, see, here's what I've learned. Remember the porcupine? Explosion kills and wounds everyone in the vicinity. Mm. And I've been trying to make up for that ever since. Now, so with that in mind, let's look at some solutions. Verse 2, part B, it says, You do not have 
Because you don't ask God. You, you don't have, it's not that person. By the way, nobody can fulfill all your desires and needs anyway. I know you married Mr. Wonderful and he's perfect and, and, and he still has triceps and biceps. I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, he still can't meet every need. Right? And, and, and you want from people and you don't get it and you get mad at the people because they don't fulfill your needs. And what James is saying is you shouldn't vent on the people that are imperfect. Just, it's, it's, what, it, it, it's almost funny why people will come to church and they'll leave church and say, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Well, of course there is. <laughs> there's hypocrites at the Seahawks game today too, but that didn't stop anybody from going, right? right? You see, what we like to call hypocrites are really people that aren't perfect, that keep falling down and getting up, and we expected everybody in the church to be perfect, forgetting that the church is not a museum for saints, it's a hospital for broken people with bleeding hearts, everybody. See, what happened is we should have been venting to God. I remember, oh, I'm running out of time. I remember one of the ways I used to deal with my anger, my, my, my elder board got me golfing when I was young in my late 20s, and, and I started golfing. And I thought, man, I'm so angry at people because I hadn't learned how to deal with my anger yet. I learned how to control it, but I wasn't free from it. How many know there's a big difference? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so, so what I did is I'd go golfing, and it felt so good to smash that ball. Any golfers out there? And everybody would keep, keep telling me, Ken, don't hit the ball so hard. I said, skip you. I'm not here for a score. I'm here to release some frustration. And I would smash the ball. I mean, it would go 90 degrees that way, but it's okay. And I would smash. And then I thought, oh, and the person I was mad at at the day, I started carrying a Sharpie with me, and I would write their name on the golf ball. (laughs) You think I'm making this up? This is true. I had to find, before I knew I could be free from it, I was finding a way to vent. Instead of venting to God, I was venting through the golf ball. Come on, everyone. And I would write a name on that golf ball, and I'd tee it up. I would lick my lip, and I'd do a happy Gilmore, pow! And it felt so good. And then I started having to golf every day (laughs) and realized I wasn't set free from the issue. I was only controlling an issue that was really controlling me. Funny story, the true story, we had some custodians that worked at the church, and the guy's name was Bud. His name was Bud Perbersky, and he didn't like me. And I don't know why I kept him on staff, because he complained to me every day. He was mad. I was a 29-year-old pastor, and he hated the way I did things. And every day, he'd tell me, oh, you're making the church dirty. you got too many people in here. There's handprints all over the wall. The place is destroyed. He was just always mad at all the things I was doing. And he got me so angry, but I didn't know what to do. I learned to control my anger. In other words, I didn't punch him, (laughs) but I still had it. See, some of us are satisfied with controlling an issue, but the heart is still bleeding. (sighs) And so I'd take Bud out there, and I didn't know his part-time job, he worked the grounds at the golf course. (laughs) I took Bud golfing with me all the time. Not him, his name on a golf ball. No kidding. You cannot make this up. This truly happened. One day, he was at the church with me, and 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 he would go out and pick up buckets of balls. He said, you'll never believe I found a golf ball today with my name on it. I wanted to say, you ought to keep looking. There's about 30 more out there. 
You'll never have to buy another golf ball in your whole life, bud, you know? You guys, I have issues, okay? I'm trying. I'm a work in progress. You must be too or you wouldn't be sitting here, all right? It, it, it would be easier for me today if I would give you three steps to conflict resolution, woo, or how to make people like you. But the issue is not about them. The issue is with this bleeding heart. The, the, solution is our, the, the solution for our bleeding heart is not for everyone to change. It's for me to change. You see, because I can try to control, but, but, but I can't get the whole world to behave. Have you ever noticed this? I, I mean, I tried. I tried to get the traffic to uh, cooperate. I, I mean... Yeah, I, I shouldn't even go into that. I, um, I, I tried to get the traffic. I, I would say things to them on the road to get them to cooperate and drive right. Nice things. Christian Bible verse things. Try to control the weather. Try to control mean people. But they will all be there tomorrow after you're exhausted from trying to control them today. And we keep wanting to change and control our circumstances, but God wants to change us. For a long time I managed it. I had to finally get set free from it. Mm -hmm. Matthew 16, 24. I'm almost there, guys. I'm almost there. Then Jesus said to his disciples, here's the key. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever has to make their point will feel like a failure. Because, yeah, you won the argument, but you lost your marriage. But whoever loses their life will find it. That verse began to rock my world. See, the Scripture teaches us something that we don't talk a lot about in church anymore. Uh, it's not really a part of Christianity anymore, about dying to self. We don't, we don't talk. we got a lot of sermons about how to be successful and how to overcome. And they're great sermons. But every once in a while, we need to throw something in there about Christianity is about dying to self. Mm -hmm. It's letting Christ become more in me. Don't miss this, because this is the solution. Christ becoming more and me becoming less. There's where healing begins. So, how do, how, how do I get less of me? Let's do the last point. I'll do it quick. Number three is the resolve. What's the resolve to the bleeding heart? Well, the resolve. This is going to sound real simple, but it's hard. Die to yourself. And, and, and some of us bristle like a porcupine just hearing that. Oh, I don't, I don't want God to change me. Really? R really? Because God has an incredible plan for your life. And, and I don't know, dying to self, it, it sounds easy. It's just die to self. Three words. We could do it. But how many know that's, those three words? Is, is anybody like, I don't know about you. I am resilient. I, I'm like a cat with 90 lives. I die. I'm, like, I'm like the walking dead sometimes, right? I killed myself, but there I am again. Huh? Right? 
I'm dying to myself, but where'd that come from? The good news, even to this day, it, it would be great. I love when preachers say, years and years ago, in a distant land far away, I used to sin. Listen, I still have issues, everybody. But here's the difference. Every once in a while, it'll be months. It could be years. And then all of a sudden, something will pop up and go, what in the world? Where did that come from? Any, anybody could... could you know, I'm looking for sympathy by your hands. I, I mean, I'm doing great, loving Jesus, singing Jesus songs. And then all of a sudden, rah! And you know what I realize? I haven't died enough to myself. Because myself is resilient. Those old ways are resilient. Can anybody relate to that? Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I love this verse. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But sometimes, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I got to die. When, when self dies, when self dies, that's where I find real freedom. When self dies, that's when I stop managing and I start finding freedom. How does self die? By doing what you're doing right now. By not just hearing another message, but taking this message and saying, oh, I'm going to work on this. And then going and doing your own work on it. And being involved in life groups where you're accountable and you can talk with people. And coming to church and reading the word. We don't tell you to do those things because that's what it takes to be Christian. We tell you to do those things because those are the things that helps you die to yourself so that God grows in you. And when you die to yourself, that's where real freedom is found. Can I get an amen on that, everyone? I need to die. Here's what I know. When I live low, I can only go up. But when I live up, I can only go down. When I start thinking my way is the only way and I'm always right, guess where I'm heading? I'm going down. Let me say it this way. I'll put it on the screen for you. The man on his face can never fall on his face. Mm -hmm. I, I dare you to try this. Criticize a dead person. Next, next time you're driving by a funeral home, just pull in there. Walk in, see the dead person in the casket, and tell them off. In fact, somebody that you know, go in, that you're still mad at, and tell them. And if you can't do that, go to the graveside, that you're still mad at the person. It's been 20 years. And tell them off, tell them everything. And guess what you're going to find out? A dead person does not respond. I must die to myself so that I don't respond because I've recognized in life, come on, how many know this is true? It's not my actions that define me. It's my reactions that are the barometer of where my growth is. Come on now. Galatians 5.24, I'm closing. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It doesn't say these passions and desires are healthy. A bleeding heart, bad, perverted passions and desires. So here's how I'll end. You have to die to yourself. And the way you die to self is exactly what Jesus said. Not my will, but your will be done.
The way you die to self is by just putting more. It's a positive thing. It's put more of God in, and the more God you put in, the more you it pushes out. The more of you gets transformed into God. That's what church is about. It's not getting a check for coming and doing our spiritual calisthenics. That's what Bible reading is about. That's what prayer is about. That's what worship is about, is about when I don't feel like it, I'm becoming less, and Christ is growing in me. Will you receive that one today, everybody? All right, I'm all done. I'm all done.